Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. It's a pleasure to be here with you today and to share from God's Word. As you know, we're in uh, 1 Timothy, and we're going through, and so I got the next passage, which is great. As I started preparing for this passage and thinking about it, I was trying to think what would be a good illustration to start with. My wife's still laughing at this illustration, but I hope it sticks with you, because I have with us um, my grandkid, a couple of my grandkids, and one of them, my grandson Liam, he's seven. And as seven-year-olds do, they ask interesting, strange questions. And so we were in the car the other day, and out of the blue, he said, Granddad, do you eat liver? And I was like, well, on occasion, it's not my favorite thing to eat. And we started talking about livers and why people wouldn't eat livers. And then he said, what do livers do for you? What does our liver do for us? And I went, I don't know. I don't. I've never. I haven't thought about that. I'm sure I've heard it before, but back in school somewhere. But I can't tell you off the top of my head what in the world does a liver do. But I knew this: it's important, and you better have one, and it better be working, or you're going to be sick. So I, I told him that, and he was like, "Okay." And I said, "We'll ask Mamaw. Mamaw know what a liver does." But today we come, and we're looking at what is an elder, and it might be one of those things in the church you go. I know they're important. I know we have them. Not sure what they do. I'm not sure why we have them, but, but we better have one or it's not good. Well, I hope at the end of this study today, this sermon, that you're able to have a better understanding of why we have elders and what God has, why he's given us those and why it's so important. Uh, Willie and Dave have been taking us through Paul's letter to Timothy. There was a problem, as you remember, with false teachers and people that were um, addressing issues and addressing theology and not um, speaking to it in the right way there. Um, and so this false teaching was a problem, and Timothy was instructed that he needed to put the right people into position, into positions of leadership that would safeguard the church and safeguard the people. And what they were after, and I'm going to use three big words and define them a little bit, but just to help you remember this, with orthodox. And that means that they have the right theology, okay, the, the right understanding of God's word. Um, but they also needed to be um, orthopraxy. And what orthopraxy is the idea that you do the right things, you know the right way of acting, and, and you're able to do those things. And then the last one is, is orthopathos, and that's the right feeling to others and to God. And so Paul is saying we need people that know God, God's word and know what God's theology is and God, the doctrine of God and do that right. We need people that do the right things with their hands and their actions, and we need people that have the right heart towards others and towards God. And that's what we're about today is to talk about that. Um, sometimes leadership does not do a good job of this. 
um, Hal reminded me of a story that we use at Third Mill. Now, we work with under-resourced pastors around the world. And our president was at a place, and he was um, visiting and talking about how we could come and help train their leaders. And he noticed that there was a little girl out in the playground walking on her hands, and her legs were all curled up underneath her, and she was going around um, using her hands instead of able to walk on her feet. And being a kind person, he said, look, I know there's a hospital in a town not too far away. I visited at it. I'm glad to take all the money out of my pocket and give it to you. Can you please take her? And I think they can help her and make things a little better for her. And the leaders in that town said, no, no, we don't really want to do that. And the reason we don't want to do that is that we think the family's under a curse and that there's an evil spirit and it's punishing her. And if you take this away, we have the money and we know where the hospital is, but if you took this away, then someone else in the family would be punished. That's a leader that doesn't know what they're doing. They don't have right theology. They're not doing the right things and they're not, they don't have the right emotions towards other people. In the church, we can't afford to have leaders that lead us in the wrong direction. So leadership is on the spot today. And um, we are in a section of Timothy where there are two sections, one talking about elders and one talking about deacons, and that will be next week. But I think this is an interesting thing that Dave was on vacation and Willie's sick because I'm an elder in the PCA, but I'm not one of your elders. So I can come and talk to you about, wait a minute, this is what your elders should be like, and this is how you should act towards them, and it's between you and them, and I'm kind of just bringing God's word to that. But I think that it's very important for us to do that. So if you're able this morning and willing, if you would stand as we read God's word this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and they've got it, they've got it up there. Matt, y'all's team is great. Uh, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so he may not fall into disgrace and into the snare of the devil." This is God's word given to us in love and absolutely true. You may be seated. So today, as we look at this passage, I want us to look at, at consider three things. One is, why do we need elders? What, what brings us to that point? And you see in this passage, it uses the word over, overseer. Uh, the Bible talks about bishops and pastors and shepherds. But our main word that we use and is often used in the Bible is the word elders. Secondly, we're going to look at the qualifications that are found in this passage. It is primarily just a list. They need to be this, 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 and this. And we're going to go quickly through those mentioned here and have a better understanding of those as we move forward. And then we're going to ask the question, how should this impact us today? 
these roles that elders have, what are they and what should they be for us in the life of the church? So as we think about elders, we can think about how, do that, how does that impact us as God's people? Well, as we think about the first question, why do we need elders? Of course, I, there are a number of points I'd make here. One, it's just in Scripture. So if it's in Scripture, we can say as Christians, King Jesus wants us to, to have this understanding of having elders and using elders, so let's do it. Um, the second reason I would point out is that Paul, when he wrote Titus, in Titus 1, I think it's verse 5, he says this, when I left you in Crete, I left you that you might put together to what remained to put together what remained into order, appointing elders in every town as I directed you. So elders in the church are given to us, and we're just told, you need them. Go go have them. And he was told to appoint them. It's something important that God calls for in the life of every congregation. But then to understand a little bit deeper the why do we need elders, I wanted us to look at Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, it says this, he, that is Jesus, gave us, the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, that we might remain unified in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. In other words, what that's saying is, Jesus gave us elders. It's a gift from him. And when Jesus gives us something, we go, okay, that's important. We'll take it. We don't just ignore it. We use what he has given us that we might serve him better and understand. And so Paul is telling Timothy here and told Titus, you need to appoint elders in every church and every congregation. Now, in our church, when we are church planters, a church being planted, uh, elders were appointed, but now we nominate and train and eventually vote for elders to become a part of our leadership team. Passage that we're looking at today begins um, with a statement that says this. The, the, this is a, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So when you as members have the opportunity to, as you have in the past, to consider men for leadership, to nominate them, and then the church goes through and trains them, um, and very soon you're going to have, I'm not sure when, sometime in the fall, you're going to have the opportunity to vote for those men as elders in the church. You need to understand they're not doing that for their own, their own sake, but it is a noble task that God might be calling them to. Um, started thinking about that, and the only real illustration I could come up with of how important this was, and this doesn't really answer the question. Um, by the way, I, we didn't have children's church today. The last time I was preaching, there was a loose chicken, and, all, and there were no walls, so the chicken kept running through. So if your children make a little noise, it does not bother me, as long as they're not growing like a rooster. Please don't do that. Um, but as we think about this passage, and we say, okay, someone how do we understand how important this is? Wildrow Wilson, he was one of our presidents, and he served in the most powerful job in the world. But when someone asked him what was the highest honor he had ever received, he said it was to be an elder in his Presbyterian church. To be an elder in the church for him was the highest honor and privilege in his life. And so as these 
men that serve us now and people will join them in the future. It is a high honor, a noble task. But Scripture gives some very detailed qualifications for an elder. And so we ask the question, what are those? Well, it starts with this phrase, an overseer must be above reproach. Now, when Willie called me and said, hey, I'm sick, I may be thinking about this, Um, this is the passage, I opened it up and I said, that's great. I said, above reproach, and I don't know whether he said it or I said it, we are both thinking the same thing. If you're an elder, you read that and you go, okay, I'm done. Uh, I'm not above reproach. No one is above reproach. Um, But what the answer is, is that we are above reproach in Jesus, as all of us, as we heard in our confession of sin and then the assurance of pardon, our standing before God is not how good we are, but our standing before God is how good Jesus is and that he came and that we are able to stand before God um, righteous in his sight. So how does this work above reproach? Um, I started thinking about it and the metaphor that I came up with was the idea of a boxer. And a really good boxer, if you've ever watched boxing, the other guy has, you know, he weaves and dodges enough that the other guy cannot land a blow on him. And the idea with this is that an elder should live his life in such a way that people cannot accuse him of evil and purposeful evil in his life. That both in the church and outside of the church that they can look at him and say, well, if you were going to pick a leader, I'd pick that man may not agree with all the doctrine of your church. I may not like everything that you stand for, but you've got good people in leadership. Um, And so as we think about this, we do not want leaders that will be disgraced um, because that brings shame on the church and undermines the message of the gospel. So that's very important to us. As we look at that in the future, there may be a time when you don't agree with every single decision that the elders make. Okay, that, I don't know if you've ever been in a church and you've, you've not liked something that they did. What I want this concept of above reproach to work out in our lives is to say, I may not agree, but I know that you're a good man, good leaders, you're trying to do what God wants, you're paying attention to God's word, and that we give them the grace to say, we're going to act like this decision is above reproach and not try to second guess everything. But when rumors spread about a person or things happen, we want people that were able to say, I don't think that really sounds like what that elder would do. That's not the way I think of that person. And so we're able to dispel some of that because they're above reproach. The second thing in this passage is the husband of one wife. Now, what this literally means is a one-woman man. Okay, We know from the rest of Scripture that it's not saying every elder has to be married. And we also know, know that there is reason in Scripture, grace given for remarriage if it's a biblical grounds for divorce in places like 1 Corinthians or 1 Timothy 5, that if they're biblical reasons, that's another thing. But what it is saying is that this man, the husband of one wife, is someone that's faithful in their marriage, faithful in their relationships, highlighting that our private life as leaders in the church has consequences for the church. This this phase is probably indicating that if married, 
the quality of their marriage matters. It's not that their marriage is perfect. That doesn't happen in this lifetime. But it does say that they're consistently faithful, honoring their wife, mutual submission with their wife, and in sacrificial love for their wife. In this closest relationship that an elder has, he needs to be a one-woman man. Third thing in our list that we're looking at today is that he's sober-minded. Now, sober-minded doesn't mean that elders never laugh. It just means that in all the seriousness of the consequences of this world and understanding God's word and applying it to our lives, that elders need to take that job very seriously, to be clear-headed, to be vigilant, to be overseeing the life of the church. We need leaders who can think about the issues and the problems in our own lives and in the world around us and bring God's word to bear on that and work with us in that. Self-controlled, balanced, stable, moderated. It gives the idea of a person who has impulse control, that they just don't do whatever. They don't have a self-destructive lifestyle. They can talk about all sorts of things by, and still control their, their emotions, their anger. They don't have addictions, things like that. That's what self-control would mean. Next is respectable. Well, that's just in the community, in their work, in their dealings with other people, it is respectable. They are, they are respectable of others, and they are seen as respectable people. Hospitable. Hospitable, sometimes we think of that as the idea that, well, you'll bring people over to your house for lunch on Sunday. Well, that's not really what this means. It's really saying that elders need to be welcoming of other people, church members and strangers, into the life and ministry of the church. Hospitality in the New Testament time frame was very important. And inside the church, as they were persecuted, it was even more important that they show hospitality. In this world, as we deal with issues of justice and mercy and caring for people in different stages of life, elders need to show not deference to one group over another, but to be radically generous in caring for the church and the people in the church with their time and their resources. All believers are told to practice hospitality, Romans 12, 13, or 1 Peter 4, but elders are to lead by example. Able to teach, the next one. Now, sometimes people use the word apt to teach. The problem with that is apt makes it sort of sound like that's what you want to do all the time. Well, elders teach in different ways. Able to teach, it might be one-on-one, bringing to bear the word of God into someone's life and then saying, this is what it means and this is how it applies in your situation. There is a difference in the type of teachers that are out there, and you can find this in Titus and Timothy and other places where, especially Timothy 5, where you can say there are different skill sets. Dave's main job is to be the pastor of this church and preach, and Willie is a part of that as well. That's elders with the gift of teaching um, and preaching in a public ministry. Some of the other elders might teach, preach, interact with you about the word, personal conversation, in small groups, and in other ways. All of that means apt or able to teach. 
The next one was a little harder for me, and that was the concept of not a drunkard. And I started reading and thinking about that, and of course, we all know that means you don't drink a lot of alcohol and be drunk. Well, that's, okay, so why is that in this list? if someone's respectable and all that. So I started thinking about it, and I read some commentaries, and I'm not sure that this is, I'm not, this is not authoritative, but I'm looking at it going, being drunk in that day was a disconnect from life and the problems of life. That's what people used alcohol for, saying, I'm going to drink so much, I'm wasted. And I think part of this is saying leaders today need to be able to have the time in the church and elsewhere, but especially we're talking about in the church, need to be able to have the focus to say, I'm not going to drink to where I don't have to worry about anything and can just get away from everything and be a drunk. I think that applies to other areas. There are people that watch their, their phones so much. They, that's what distracts them from life. Or they sit on the couch and watch TV or whatever it is that you're saying, this is what I'm going to use as my drug of the day to help me avoid dealing with things. Well, that's what drunks did, and this is saying, don't be a drunkard. Next one, violent, do not be violent, but gentle. I think that's exactly what it says. Don't act like you're on a reality show. Um, be an elder that uh, lives a life of gentleness, who doesn't pick a fight, that it, even when we have personality flaws or differing opinions, that we deal with each other graciously. I can tell you that's hard as an elder because there are times when you're going, wait a minute, is this my personal opinion that I'm standing up for or is it an opinion from the Word of God? If it's an opinion from the Word of God, we need to stand up for it firmly. Jesus Christ is the King, came and lived and died and suffered on our behalf and rose again. That's true, I'll stand up for that. Whether or not you stand for the reading of God's Word or sit, that's a personal opinion. You know, and so there are lots of different ranges of things, but... A leader needs to not be violent, but gentle, dealing with people, not being thin-skinned, being able to say, I acknowledge the possibility that I might be wrong, and not having controversies about everything. Now, Dave and Willie went to our General Assembly, and one of the things about our General Assembly that some people don't like is you're dealing with all the controversies. That's what it is. We have things here, we talk about them, we make decisions, it goes up, Sometimes if there's a problem, it goes up to our presbytery, or if we don't know quite what to do, the presbytery deals with it, and they try to resolve things. When they have problems or don't know what to do, it goes up to General Assembly. And so there are decisions that are made as a large group. And sometimes people are going, I know this is right. And other people are going, well, I know this is right. And you have to go, wait a minute, are you hearing each other? Are you able to do that? And so pray for our church that we might be able to be a church that is not Violent but gentle, nobody's there really violent, but it's that idea of conflict with one another and to consider other people's opinions. And that goes right into the next point that Paul is making, and that is they should be not quarrelsome. And this means that whatever they're dealing with in life, that they're fair, they're reasonable, they don't, they don't keep coming back um, to, to argue more and more and more, but that they are people that are safe both physically, emotionally, spiritually, and their attitude and de- demeanor that we're able to deal with things. These are all serious, important aspects of what it means to be an elder. The next one that's there is not a lover of money. Now, this one's tough. There have been churches I've been in and I've been like, I think they elected that guy because he's rich. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. And that's not the way it works here. But what it's saying is they, they need to not be a lover of money, but they need to be respected. 
but they don't need to be greedy, but generous. Church leaders must serve God and not money, Matthew 6, 24. Um, He must manage his household well. Now, when you read through this whole list, this is the longest one with explanation. It's also one of the toughest ones because what it says is, he'll manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if anyone does not know how to manage his household, how will he care for God's church? Leaders in the church need to be able to exhibit godly leadership at home. But to suggest its perfection goes against all the rest of Scripture, goes against the fact that our children are born sinners and need Jesus in their own lives. It goes against everything we know from the rest of Scripture. So it can't be saying that. So what does it mean? Well, I think that it means you look at them and you say, are they a godly leader? Do they offer a godly example in their home? Do they give godly leadership in their home? Do they maintain a witness and raise their children with a spiritual and moral bar set in their home? It's not enough to just be a good man publicly, but also privately as well. Now, I think every church has to judge, is this man got so many problems dealing with his kids that he really shouldn't be an elder? Well, that, it's a lot to be an elder. So there may be times when that's true, and you say, hey, let's let you get your kids, your family, your life together before you step into this other role because it is difficult. And that leads us right to the next one, not a recent convert because he may be puffed up with conceit. Well, the, thinking about the idea of puffed up, that's not a word that we use a lot more, but I thought it's kind of like a balloon. You fill it up with, with air and there's really nothing there. You know, as soon as you pop it, boom, it's gone. So we don't want a new convert that can be puffed up. I think that could come because a convert, a fairly new Christian, even if they have gifts of leadership, if you put them in leadership, they may think, I'm, I'm awesome. I've leapfrogged over other people. I'm, I've achieved what it means to be a Christian, and I'm a better Christian than someone else. They may get messed up in their bio, understanding of Bible and theology. Leaders um, are not chosen on how long they've been Christians. They're not chosen that they've been in the church the longest, but they're chosen because they're leaders that match these qualifications to the best of their abilities. And so we ask the question, are they a leader with a good reputation? Are they a leader that is seeking God's glory, not power? Are they a leader that uh, has gifts of leadership, but um, if they lead because they want the power and control, that's not a good thing. And I think that's what this recent convert is trying to avoid. So leaders often feel like they're in over their head. And I think that's a good thing in the church when you go, I don't know. This is scary, and I'm trying to understand God's word and apply it. It's okay that they feel in over their head because we all as a church have to look to God for supernatural help in what we go through. And then there's one more well thought of by outsiders so they do not fall into disgrace. This is an important one for elders in the church because we're saying elders represent us. Once again, this is kind of like what we started with of, of, uh, at the very beginning, that elders represent us, and we want the world to be able to look and say, that's, we see why that's a good person. We see why um, they were picked 
and not bring disgrace on the church. We want elders that don't talk out of both sides of their mouths, representing themselves one way in one situation and another way in another situation. Um, We want elders that understand God's word and are able to be examples of that to the world and to us. So we've looked at the why we need elders. We've looked at this long list of what elders should be like Now I want us to understand a little bit of how this impacts us today. Why should we, why do we um, have elders? What roles do they have in the life of the church after they meet those qualifications that are in this passage? Acts 20 verse 8 says this. This is scripture speaking to elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, the people in the church, to which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church of God, which is obtained by his own blood. Elders are told to care for the church, to be careful attention to their own lives, and then to the lives of the people that God has in their care. This is important because it's for the building up of the church. It's for the, not the building up of the elder, it's for the building up of the church. Um, Come back again to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. It teaches us, as I said earlier, that Christ gave the gift of elders to the church. But I want you, I'm going to read it again. I want you to listen to the roles that are there, the things that an elder might be doing. Here it is, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he, that's Jesus, gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children, not tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human human cunning or craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ. Okay, so we take that and we say elders, they're to equip. You need to be looking to your elders, your pastors, to help equip you. You come to church and you're taking notes or paying attention, you're listening to the sermon other times, you're going, this is to equip me as a saint. Why? For the work of the ministry. They're to build up the body of Christ. There are things in your own life that you're struggling with. Elders are people you should be able to say, hey, I've got an issue here. Can you help build me up with this? And by the way, if you're having other issues in your lives, one of the saddest things for me as an elder is times when people have had a marital issue or some other problem in their life and they don't share it until it just blows up and is not fixable. Come to your elders and say, wait a minute, your job is to help build me up. I'm struggling. Build me up. Help me know what to do. Until we all obtain to the unity of the faith. Elders are to be helping us have unity. That's our goal, to be unified in the faith of Christ. They're helping us that by the knowledge of the Son of God. They need to know the Bible and be sharing the Bible with us to mature manhood, to the measure of the fullness of Christ. They are the people, both our pastors and and ruling elders are the people that bring Scripture to us and say, here's the standard. I'm seeking to live up to it 
And I'm seeking to help you live up to it so that we no longer children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind, human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes. We don't want all that, but rather what we want is elders that speak the truth in love to us and help us speak the truth in love to one another and to the world around us. Dave dealt with some difficult passage last week. But he spoke the truth from God's word and helped us think through and go, okay, how do we honor women in our midst? How do we deal with this? And how do we honor what God's word says, but not go just here's what the world says or here's what some other group said, but think through what is God's word and how do we work that through so that we grow up in every way, not what we think is grown up, but into him, Jesus Christ, who is our head. So this whole thing of elders is saying, I'm, we are here to help you be more like Christ, immersed in Scripture in order to equip the saints for ministry. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and to the church here with Timothy that they were giving elders for the purpose of equipping them in the knowledge of Christ so that we all may be united to Christ. So how does this work out? Well, to the elders, they've got to ask the question, what is the noble task for me at Intown? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to work hard to build up the family into mature, the church family into maturity in Christ? Do I want to work for the king or am I doing it for status? Am I interested in measuring up to these qualifications the best that God enables me? Am I growing in grace for the standards set here in Timothy? That's what the elders have to ask. But then you have to ask the question as you nominate people, as you think about who you want to do and realize that they, it's almost a year of training, right? That they go through all of this and you'll vote for them. Then you say, am I willing to submit to these elders that lead us? Am I willing to apply the teaching that they give me into my life? Am I teachable? Am I willing to take hold of the truths that they present to us and make them a part of our lives? Are we willing to be filled with Christ and united with other members? Are we willing to submit an accountability to our church and the elders that God has given us in that? Are we trusting and supporting of elders saying, God gave you as a gift to me. I may not understand everything, but I know you're a respectable, honorable husband of one wife, et cetera, et cetera, a man, and I, and I know you're seeking after this for God's glory, and I'll follow you in that. And then if you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're not a member of the church, Jesus gave elders so the church would be a witness to you. Let me tell you why. One of the most common objectives, uh, objections that I hear about Christianity is that there are hypocrites in the church. Well, I think it's very interesting that Jesus is saying in this passage, I give you men aren't perfect but that they have lots of effort, lots of qualifications to say that they can lead in teaching and evangelism in lifestyle and how they deal in the world, their witness to other people, how people perceive them, all of that, that they are different. And what they say with their lives matches up with what they say with their lips. Elders in the church are a witness of Christ. So if you're here today and you're saying, I'm not a Christian, there are people in this church that are seeking to serve you and serve this body and be a witness to point to the mercy of Christ. They're sinners as well. 
They need Jesus. The problem is not hypocrites in the church. The problem is we're all sinners and we all need grace. And if you don't understand that, come talk with me, come talk with Dave, talk with Willie, talk with one of the elders and understand what it means to be a follower of Christ under the grace of Christ. But these elders, they testify to that. So to answer my grandson's question, what is it, why do we have livers? Well, I learned that they help protect you. They protect your body. They keep it healthy. They, clear, they clean the blood so that the blood can be life-giving. And I'm saying too, elders are in the church to protect the life of the church, to help it be, help it be healthy, to, to allow you to have the life-giving blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. So I want to close with this. Don't pick perfect people because there aren't any, but pray for your elders and pray for elders to be under God's grace. Pray that God will work that out in them. Show them grace when they stumble or struggle or not quite up to the standards that are here and then follow them as they follow Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a chance to look at this list, and it's just that, a list of qualifications. But as we think about that, Father, we are saying, how do we apply this to the elders in our midst, and how, Father, do they apply it to us? Each one of these things you call elders to, Father, we know that it's, a, it's so that they can be an example of that to us. And so we come praying that you would protect our elders, that you would protect Dave, that you would protect Willie, that you will protect the other men that serve you here, that we might know you better, that we might honor you better, and that we might live out our lives in this community in a way that, as we prayed earlier, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org.